You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're in our teaching series entitled Connections. And um, 2000 year, 2000 year, 2011 is to be a year. uh, I believe the Lord is directing us in this, a year of connections. We'll find out what all that means as we continue to uh, go on. I really want to emphasize you get here on Wednesday nights, if at all possible. And if not possible, change that and get here. Um, Because we're doing something all year. It's called real life. And we're getting the light of God's word. And we're taking our time and just really focusing it in. We're dealing right now with anxiety, worry, and fear. And we gave to you the scriptural keys and tools last week. Enough to kick fear, anxiety, and and worry in the head. And then this week and next week we'll continue to give you some preventative things and some maintenance things. Because Jesus for some reason said, do not worry. And he gave us some reasons. And he gave us how we don't have to do that. And you know as well as I know, it's so destructive It just wears you out, worry, fear, anxiety. And so we're finding out what God says about these things. And uh, wonderful things going on 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 Wednesday nights. And in addition to what we're doing here in the sanctuary, we've got ministry to the whole family going on all over our our complex. And wonderful things are going on. Next Generation Ministries is plowing ahead. And uh, over the next few weeks, I'll be sharing with you some of the plans and some of the things that we're going to be doing with Next Generation Ministries. And because we need you all on board for that and to keep you posted in every way. And so good, good things. I'll tell you what, I'd rather be a believer than anything else. You know what? And, uh, so let's, let's hop into this this morning on connections. Two weeks ago, I just shared with you that without him, without a connection to Jesus, you can do what you can nothing. Yet some people kind of have the mindset I I can do without Jesus and still get a C plus. No, without him, you know, nothing, you are nothing, you have nothing, you can do nothing, but through him, with him, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That connection, we spent time on that. Last week, we talked about prayer. And I've had so many people just in the week uh, that I've run into that have emailed or on Facebook or whatever. Uh, actually had a lady during the week and then a lady at the door after first service. Uh, recently have moved here from other places and said they've been in church a number of years and no one has ever told them how to pray. And so consequently, they, you know, was just kind of hit and miss and every now and then throw something up and, and, uh, both of them separate to, I said, now you didn't write to me, did you? He said, no, no, I haven't. I mean, their story is just so similar. They said they have enjoyed praying this week. They sense God moving and working. We talked about some of that last week today. I want to move on to something else that is critically important here. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15 in the new living translation. It will be on the screen for you. It says for everyone, say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, help me, saved. And that is, that is not just the initial rescue there. That's to come to wholeness. A savior is one who makes you safe, keeps you safe, will be saved. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. It's all about connection. Now, I 
wrote this out earlier just for sake of time and so we could get this all here. The goal of it all is to be saved. That's to be born again. That's to open the door to Jesus, to allow him into your life, is to uh, become a part of the family of God, is to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and translated and transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love. Jesus came to seek and to and to save that which was lost. Uh, Pastor John led us earlier in John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, I love it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be might be saved. And so this is why Jesus came, not just to make you happy, not just to, you know, meet your needs and, and uh, make you a cool guy or whatever. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and to introduce us to the father. And so this is the goal. This is the purpose that all of us are to be involved in. But as we saw from scripture here, it says, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved, but who's going to call unless they believe. And how are they going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And how's anybody going to tell them unless they are sent? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you today before you're out of here, I'm sending you. Representing the Lord Jesus, I'm sending you. That you go. He's sending. I'm just a delivery guy, okay? Sending you to tell so that they can hear, so they can believe, so they can call. Ultimately, so they can be saved. Now we're talking about connections. Let's think about this. If you're saved, if you've come to Jesus, if you're, you're in the family of God, listen to this. Someone, someone at some point was a connection for you to Jesus. I want you to think about them just for a moment. Can you remember them? Can you, maybe it was a, a, a series of people and events and whatever, but I want you to think about it. Someone along the way was a connection for you. So that you heard, so that you could believe, so that you could call, so that you could get saved. When I was a little kid, we, um, this is before my parents went through all their divorce and all the, all the junk and ugly that, that hit our little wonder years home. Um, my parents weren't serving God and we lived about three blocks away from this, this church. And I remember my mom sometimes would go out in the backyard with my brother and I. And point to the church, a big old Presbyterian steeple. And it's about three blocks away and would point and say, go that way and go this way. So, you know, I can remember Mrs. Cogburn teaching my Sunday school class. First Presbyterian church on Lone Oak Avenue in Leesburg. Working the flannel graph like a master. She was leveraging technology. That was technology then. I know stories. I still see them. I think for my birthday this year, I want a flannel graph. (laughs) And sometimes the characters are interchangeable, you know. Hey, wasn't that a guy with leprosy last week? Yeah, well, this week he's Abraham, okay? (laughs) You know. And I remember when I behaved, I got to move, you know, a character or put a character up on on the flannel graph. But I knew stories. I came to believe. I came to believe through Mrs. Cogburn. Showing me those things and telling me those stories. Because there's nobody in my family was telling me nothing. And then later on, a Southern Baptist pastor drove past our little trailer park. 
You know, our little place, Dave Toller, he still kind of lives locally. He was here for Meadowbrook Christmas Live, and I hugged his neck, and I thanked him again for stopping and knocking on our door and inviting us to church. And he came, and he told us, and we heard, and we believed, and we called, and we got saved. And that's a wonderful thing. Somebody in your life, there's a someone in your life who along the way was a connection. Say connection. A connection for you to Jesus. Well, guess where I'm going with this? You. You are to be a connection for somebody else. You are. See, we live in a culture and a society and a mindset today. So, well, I just want to get mine. I just want to get mine. People get in fights out in front of Walmart and, and Blockbuster, or not Blockbuster, um, Best Buy. I knew it started with bees. <laughs> Camp out overnight because they're going to release a new game, a new CD, a new movie going to have a sale on something people will camp out why so they can get theirs and they'll fight and they'll do whatever and in the mindset i just got to get mine then i'll get out of the way and and unfortunately that sometimes comes over into our christianity into our faith i, I just want to get mine and then just get out of the way but you've got to understand it's not just about you Amen. and and just as god sent someone into your life god wants to send you into someone's life Now, unless you get all nervous about that, I'm going to unfold this here for us this morning. But you are to be a connection for someone else. Scars and all. With your personality and all. Well, I'm kind of rough around the edges. Well, guess what? There's some other people that are rough around the edges that would love to hear from you. Well, I just say what I think. Well, there's some people that need to hear what you think. Not all that you think. And we're working on how you're thinking, okay? You know, not everybody, you know, this is not about cookie cutter. This is not about just being this, 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 this. It's about being you full of God and you being the someone that God wants to connect, be a connection for to Jesus. Historically, we go back. Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, Moody Bible Institute. Incredible minister. Through his ministry, F.B. Meyer got saved. Through his ministry, Billy Sunday got saved through his ministry. Mordecai Ham got saved through his ministry in 1934. Billy Graham got saved. Billy Graham has now preached to over, uh, and this is prior to the advent of internet over 215 million people and on it goes. And then through television and internet, I mean, he's been able to preach to the whole world because of D.L. Moody and who, who was it that shared with D.L. Moody? Let's look at some things here. I think it's going to be interesting for you. In John chapter one, I'll start reading verse 35. It says, in the next day, John, and this is John the Baptist. Okay. The next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the lamb of God. Let me stop right there. I kind of, in my mind picture, you know, John the Baptist, him, two guys hanging out, you know, kind of leaning on the Coke machine. Now, there's some kind of setting where they're standing around and Jesus walks by. Jesus walks by and notice what John the Baptist says. Behold, the Lamb of God. You know what he said? That's him. I told you I was coming to prepare the way. I told you that one was coming. I'm not even worthy to to tie his sandals. I told you there's one coming that I must decrease and he must increase. I told you somebody's coming. That's him. That's the Lamb of God. It says, and the, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed him. See, because they understood that John was coming to prepare the way. And so they followed Jesus. 
Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when in, when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now was now it was about the 10th hour, four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. We found him, which is translated the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Peter, to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jodah, Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So what we see here is you've got John the Baptist, who was a connection for Andrew. John the Baptist as a leader was a connection for Andrew. Andrew then was a connection for his own brother, Peter. And Peter came to the Lord. And how many of you know Peter has had a little bit of impact on, on the church? Then down in verse 43, it says, The following day, Jesus went to Galilee and he found Philip. Everyone say Philip. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. So direct connect Jesus to Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel connection and said to him, we've found him. See, this is something I just want to point out real quick. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know him. You just have to find him. That's what you're able to pass. I, I, we found him. That's what both these guys said. We found him. Philip said to Nathaniel, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so then you've got this connection going on. Well, later on, Jesus is crucified. He's buried. He raises from the dead. He ascends into heaven. Before he goes into heaven, he spends 40 days. That's almost six weeks. Sharing with his followers about the things of the kingdom of God. That was the heavy duty. Uh, fill in the blanks. Here you go. Here's what to expect. Here's what needs to happen. Filling it all in. Because now they put the pieces together. You really are the guy. And this really is the kingdom. And, and put that all together. Later on in Acts chapter 8. Philip goes to Samaria. Preaching Jesus. He ministers there throughout the city. It says that over the course of time. Multitudes believed. People were healed of paralysis. People that were lame walked. People who had unclean spirits possessed by those things were set free. Following that, Peter and John went down because they said, we've heard they believe now in Samaria. We need to make sure that they have the Holy Spirit in fullness. And they went down and, and found out that they'd only been baptized in water in the name of Jesus, but they'd not yet received the Holy Spirit. They ministered the Holy Spirit to the people of Samaria. So here's two of the guys that we've already read about and their impact on the city of, of Samaria. Then we go on and now Philip, and I want to read this little passage here for you. Philip in Acts chapter 8 verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Y'all still here? This is desert. So he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. Note that great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Now, let me just point out, he's not a Christian at this point, but he is religious. He has a heart towards some spiritual things. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, 
Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Everybody say connection. The place, uh, the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a, sleep, a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that scripture, this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. It's kind of like a supernatural human-sized bank tube. (laughs) So the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found. It's a sudden thing. Boom, boom. Some writers suggest it was about 14 miles away. How many of you like to get to work like that? But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, I want you to notice this. Here's Philip that Jesus said, follow me. Jesus, uh, Philip then was a connection to Nathaniel. He follows Jesus. He learns of the kingdom. He's one of the disciples. Now he goes to Samaria. He had incredible impact there. He's led by the spirit. He goes out. He stands in the desert. There's a connection that God had for him. He meets up with this chariot. This guy has great authority. Everybody say great authority. This guy has incredible authority in in the whole kingdom of Ethiopia. And he has charge of all the treasury of the queen. And there's a connection now that happens. And you see what happens. Philip was sent Philip told him, he heard, he believed. You can see the the guy's zeal. Hey, here's some water. Can I get baptized? You can see the zeal. And then he calls. He said, you got to believe with all your heart. And he calls upon the name of the Lord. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he's saved. Now, he no doubt is returning. Scripture said he was returning. He's going back to Ethiopia. And this is what I want you to realize here. He's returning to his country. He's a man of great authority and influence, and he no doubt became a connection to many others. Tradition holds that this eunuch was the first to bring Christianity, not religion. Religion had been brought in, but was the first to bring Christianity into Ethiopia. I read an article day before yesterday, and it was updated about three, four months ago. And it says that as of that update, there are now 25, over 25 million believers in Ethiopia, 18,000 churches in Ethiopia. And it had to start somewhere. It had to start somewhere. There has to be a connection. He got saved and then guess what? He went and he told and they heard and believed and called and got saved. And just as someone was a connection to you, you are to be a connection to somebody else in coming to the Lord. Could I get some kind of form of, of response from you this morning? Thank you. Now, the, 
the number one most effective form of evangelism. It's what we're talking about. The number one most effective form of evangelism is called invitational evangelism. Thank you for your enthusiasm. How many of you had just a horrible headache and I told you the number 53 most effective pain reliever is, you wouldn't be interested. But if I told you number one, number one, and this is the number one most effective form of evangelism in the world today, in our culture, in our society, how things are today, it is called invitational evangelism. It's what Andrew did for Peter. It's what Philip did for Nathaniel. It's what people do and do and do. And ultimately it has to do with a connection to a local church. It's an invitation. It flows best though from a relationship. People don't necessarily in our day really receive an invitation from somebody if they don't know. Because in our society, our overtly commercialized society, everybody's after something, want to sell you something. I was listening to Christian radio on XM or Sirius radio the other day. And I thought, let's see what they're saying over there. And, and they were selling vitamins. I thought, come on. Stop selling vitamins. People need Jesus. You know, we're selling vitamins to help them not be depressed. If you take some of these and we'll send you a free bottle. But you got to promise to buy a bunch for a long time. And this will really help you with your depression. I'm thinking, all right, yeah, maybe that has a place somewhere in the whole scheme of things. But but what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, and, and things have gotten so diluted that anymore is going to take relationship Somebody that you know, somebody that you occupy some space with, somebody that has regular interaction in your life, that you have some relational bridge with them tied in with invitation. Studies show that eight out of ten, eight out of ten people that are unchurched would likely attend church if only invited by someone they have a relationship with. Only five percent, that's only one out of twenty, are antagonistic toward church and God. Now they're usually a little bit louder about it all. And you, and you, you think about your circle of friends and people you're involved in. And, and can I say something to you church people? You better have some friends that aren't church people. It better not just be us four no more. Hallelujah, hallelujah, secret handshake. You're in the world to be salt. You're in the world to be light. And you have, you have, People that are waiting for an invitation. Number one reason why people don't go to church, they have not been asked. Number two reason why people don't go to church is they've been to church. And that's why we're endeavoring with everything within us to do church in the right way. And you have much to do with that. Barna Research Institute said the only way in our current, in the current dynamics of our society and culture, the only way to reach a person is through a relationship, through a relationship. Now, here's some things that were in the, in the past were very effective that are not effective. Now, as a matter of fact, they are ineffective. As a matter of fact, they have negative results and they are this visitation, telemarketing, even media advertising, bus ministry, tracks left in bathrooms and so forth. Those things are those things not in this day. Leave it. The beaver is now an old guy like me. (laughs) Things have changed. We're in a post nine 11 world. 
People don't want you knocking at their door that you don't know them. My neighbor come to the door. I am glad to see them. My friend come to the door. I'm glad to see them. The other day, two ladies showed up at my door trying to hand me some material from another group. However, I wish more people from our group would work as hard as their group. And I just said, I said, you know what? Um, listen, I, I love Jesus with all my heart. And I'm a pastor. Matter of fact, when I answered the door, I was studying the Bible. And I said, and I do know this today that you, you're not going to change my mind. And I don't have the time this morning to change your mind. So I hope you have a good day. You want this? No, that's all right. You have a, you have a, you have a good day. And I wasn't being rude. But we don't want people anymore coming to our door. We don't want people putting things under. And I'm talking specifically about ministry here, about Jesus. I don't know what people do in business. But I don't like people putting things under my, my windshield wiper. Knocking on my door. Coming down my chimney. Well, I like that. But, uh, a lot. But, um. Things have changed. Times have changed. And relationship is important. When I was a little kid and we did get saved, everybody was supposed to go witnessing. We're going witnessing. I'm sixth, seventh grade. I'm this little skinny kid, you know, and we're going witnessing. And so I go out with my little witnessing team. They told us a few things. Here's what you say. And so we go. And so we're walking. I don't know where I am. I'm scared to death. And my pastor says, this guy in his backyard here by his clothesline. So I go there, guy by his clothesline, he's got no shirt on, he's massive, not in a fit, toned way. And he's got a bunch of ships tattooed on him. I thought, I just met Blackbeard. And he's looking at me because I'm in his yard. And the rest of my little witnessing team's around the corner of the house. I just started into my little spiel that I've been taught. And he's going, no. Okay. <laughs> Scared to death. But I'm telling you what, the people that Jesus is trying to connect you with, you already know them. You're already close to them. They're already at, at your job, your neighborhood, where you work out, all those. Those people are already in your life. And the only way to reach a person anymore is through relationship. A personal invitation, relational connection. It's interesting that studies also show number two way to encourage and invite people to get into church is through special event marketing, such as Meadowbrook Christmas Live. We have thousands of people to come in because, because, and typically it's because another relational connection, you invited them, you endorsed it, you said it was awesome, you gave them a ticket or whatever, and they came in. Now, let me scoot on this. Your main purpose in life is not to be happy, although that's okay. That's not your main purpose. Your main purpose in life is not to make money or to be buff or to be beautiful or to travel to far off really cool places or to build a house or to have this or to do that or to meet them. That's not your main purpose in life. Your main purpose in life is not to one day get on the prices right and win cash and prizes. Your main, listen to this, your main God-given purpose in life is to be a light in this world. Your main, everybody say my main. 
your main God-given purpose in life is to be a light. So that wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, you're going to be a light. And you say, well, I, I can't quit my job and go in the ministry. And we're not, nobody even said that. He wants to use you as a light wherever you are. Well, I'm retired and I play golf. Well, be a light. Well, I work in a factory. Be a light. And just a little bit and I'm very excited about it. I'm going to go to lunch. And when we're in the restaurant, I'm going to be a light. To the waiter, to the waitress, to the people that we interact with, people I don't even know. I'm going to hold the door. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be a light. When I go home, I can't forget I'm a husband. I'm a father. I better be a light. I'm a son-in-law. I better be a light. I'm a friend. I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor. I better be a light. That's my whole goal. Whatever you're doing, whoever you're with, wherever, wherever it is, whenever it happens, you and I are main, my main purpose. Your main purpose is to be a light. And sometimes we have a hard time being a light. I passed this pickup truck the other day and they'd been out rooting. Thing was covered with mud. It looked like a life-size chocolate cake in the shape of a truck. <laughs> a little bit on the windshield where somebody could see through. They've been out driving in the mud and the thing was covered up. And I thought, you know, before sundown, if they're going to drive, they better get to a car wash. They better do something because their lights were covered up with mud. And guess what? Sometimes we've got the light in us, but we've got so much junk going on. And we've got to get that off because you know what? That's why we come to church. That's why we're growing. That's why we're improving. That's why we're learning things. That's why we're repenting. That's why, that's why we're growing in things is so we can keep that mud off of us because you've got the light in you. We've got to let that light out. Your main purpose is to be a light. You are a connection for somebody. And don't miss that connection. You've got to invite them. Jesus even said at one point, he said, go out and compel them. I looked up compel because I thought it can't mean what I think it means. Compel means force them. It means crowd them, push them and exert influence on them. Jesus said, I want you to go out in the highways and the hedges and I want you to compel people to come into my house but see it's in the context of relationship you have friends let's just take some of your friends maybe you got a friend they've been smoking since they were nine or something you know and every you know every so (laughs) you know and just as a friend you know what you'll do dude you gotta stop you're killing yourself you guys think of the money you're wasting and look you're hurting yourself as a friend you'll compel them you'll crowd them you'll push them a little bit they got some car with, you know, wobbly tire about to come off. There's only one lug nut on there. As a friend, relationship, you'll compel them. You're not driving this bucket of bolts any further. I'll come pick you up. But you're not driving that until we get that fixed. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a force. It's a crowding out of a relationship. I'm not talking about bringing somebody in here in the headlock. Come on, it lasts just over an hour. You'll see in a minute. It's going to be worth it. Stop it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about walking up to somebody, you know, and just putting your finger in their face. Get yourself in church. You're going to burn in hell. That does not work. That does not work. But a friend, a relationship with somebody, you've got a relational bridge with them. You can say, you know what? 
I found him. I, I found my answer. I, it's your answer too. And I care enough as my friend, would you just come with me? Would you just come and if you don't like it, you know, well, I don't want to go in a church. Church fall down if I go in there. Well, then would you do this? Make your own house fall down. <laughs> just watch on TV or watch online. We've got cards. We keep hundreds of them out there. And bunches of you take them. And it's just a business card size to just, to your friend, to your neighbor, to your coworker, to that vendor, to whatever that, that you, and, and listen to me and listen to me good. Don't be giving out stuff to waiters and waitresses unless you double their tip. Okay, don't be going, well, the, I'm going to give you something even greater than a tip. Well, I hope next time you're in there, they give you something even greater than what you ordered. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. But we give you tools. We archive messages. We give you CDs. We're on television. We, we put things in books and all kinds of things because this message has to get out. And there's people that, you know, don't tell me all, all my friends are born again, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. They're good. They're everybody. Well, then you need to get rid of them and get some new friends and move on and fulfill your purpose. Because our target is not the already convinced. We've got a job to do. And Jesus said, I want you to go. And he said this, I want you to go and I'm going to go with you. He said, go and I'll go with you. And we need to go and we need to fulfill what he's called us to do. Just real quick and I'll close. You need to be willing to start with. Be willing. Second of all, you need to be ready. Think of Philip. He was willing. And he was ready. He said, go stand in the desert. I got something for you to do. He was willing. He was ready. You also need to be led. Does not mean that tomorrow you get in the face of every friend. You've got to be led. You've got to let God show you, hey, now's the time. And I want you to talk to this person. Be willing, be ready, be led, be real. And this next one's pretty important. Behave. They don't want to know nothing about your God, your church, your Jesus, know anything. They don't want to know nothing about that. If you are just such a constant, inconsistent wreck all over the place, fussing with everybody, griping about everything, got no peace. They don't want to know nothing about your Prince of Peace if you're such a wreck. And it's not about being perfect. It's like, you know, I'm going through this. I'm working through this. But God's with me and God's helping me. But you've got to behave too. And then also do this. Pray. When you pray for somebody, the Holy Spirit's activity heightens around that person. When you pray for somebody, I believe the Holy Spirit neutralizes some things in their life. So that they can see. I think the Holy Spirit blocks some things. Some influences and different things. And takes care of some of the blinders that they may have. When you pray for somebody, it changes the spiritual atmosphere around that person. And you need to be praying for some people. I have a, a good friend. He's been a friend for a long time. A number of years ago, he was way off track. And he got into some bad sin and living a life of duplicity. And he was so eat up with guilt and depression, they became suicidal. He was in the ministry at the time. And one night he just was so dark and depressed and everything. He sat just kind of just down the road a little bit from the church he pastored with a revolver on the seat. And he said, I'm, 
I'm such a mess. I've got to end this. The amazing thing is service is going on at his church and he's not there. And he's about to kill himself. Who's behind that? The devil. At that moment, they later were able to kind of sink and verify. At that moment, one of the assistant pastor's wives and his own wife and somebody else just kind of interrupted and said, you know what? We're to pray for Mike. We're to pray for Mike. He had like taken the night off, but we need to pray for him. They prayed. They just prayed. And he said, and he's a friend of mine. We've talked about this. And he's in ministry today, I'm glad to say. But he said something happened and suddenly where I was so hopeless, it was so dark. I was in such a funnel to nowhere. He said, suddenly it's like light came through. Suddenly I realized God still loved me. Suddenly I realized there is a way out of this. Suddenly I realized it is not worth doing this. And he went and he met with people and he said, I am at this place. And God's done a good work in his life since then. What happened? Prayer happened. Prayer happened. Prayer happened. Don't think that you're just going to learn a couple of things and walk up to some guy at his clothesline. See, we hardly even have clotheslines anymore. It's through relationship, but it's through a work of the Holy Spirit. Stop worrying about your friends and griping about your friends and being concerned about your friends. Start praying for them. Start realizing and say, God, I can't do this. You've got to rain on the soil of their heart. You've got to prepare them for that. And at the right time, you nudge me and I'm there because I want to be a connection to somebody. Let me just say this and then I'll quit. We expect far too little from God. And we attempt far too little for God. God wants to do so much in you and through you and for you. And you know what? I want you to start to expect that he's going to set some things up. I told you back at Christmas time, one of my greatest wishes for you is that this year, at least once, and I pray it's dozens of times, you'll be able to help somebody come across that faith line that you went, you told, they heard, they believed, they called, and they got saved. The number one way to do that is through invitational evangelism. And let me share this with you. If you invite them, if you compel them, There's a good chance they'll come. And I want to promise you, we will not embarrass them. We will do our very best to present this good news and this living Savior in the best way we can. And so it's a work of you, the Holy Spirit, and us all together that's going to help them come to that place. I'm super excited to tell you this, that so far in 2011, that's this year, and today is just the 16th, as of first service this morning, For 2011, just 16 days into it, we've had 55 people respond to the altar and make decisions for the Lord. And I'm thanking God for that. We've watched this over the years. And the majority, not everybody, but the vast majority of those that do respond to the altar call, it's their first, second, third visit. Which again points back to this. If you'll pray for them, if you'll compel them, if you'll get them here. God will do something while we're here. And let's all work this thing together because you know what? Just as someone was a connection to you, you need to be a connection to somebody else. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.